Hi, and welcome to This Week in Sustainability, where we make sense of sustainability and the news for everyone. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this Week in Sustainability, we look at human survivability, life, and the economy past coronavirus. Are you finding it hard to concentrate? Well, I am, and not just because of the terrible urge to check the news every 10 seconds or so, although that too. We, we all want good news to miraculously break out from somewhere, from anywhere, from nowhere, but it, it's not that that makes me check the news. It's because I feel guilty. It shot through me yesterday like an arrow to my heart as I sat in my quiet, my safe, my secure office, planning production, planning production content, thinking to myself, this idea would be pretty good after we get back to normal. Never mind pre-corona normal was a terrible state for all things sustainability anyways, because if you think about the curve on coronavirus, you need to check out the curve on climate change. Uh, that aside, and like many in our Western material culture, I'm, having, I'm hardwired to think ahead, to plan, to progress. Now, what does that make me? Being able to think beyond the mess we're in now, beyond the horrible daily suffering of millions, the incalculable angst, nightmares so real you could actually smell the fear in your dream. Really? How can somebody think beyond this? I should feel guilty. Well, I've been planning production for after because so much of what I think I can produce now seems either inappropriate, pointless, or pandering. I don't want to profit from any of this. I want it to be over. I want to fight big companies again, bad government again with both my hands. Alas, that's not going to happen for a bit, even uh, though we are in the, we pretty much know how this is going to play out phase. By any measure, the coronavirus horror has just gotten started. For many, recurring nightmares are already getting old. And for many, many more, sleep will soon not come easily. So I turned off my guilt, told it to go away, and I started to pray for the medical staff and all the hospitals around the world. And I prayed for the good corporate citizens and government employees who are mobilized out there doing their very best to help out. And I prayed for the farmers and I prayed for the community workers and I prayed for the lonely and the shut in and the already sick and everybody. I prayed for them uh, for, because we're all pretty damn scared about it. But most of all, I prayed for Dr. Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. It's, it's the same guy on Trump's daily coronavirus pressers. You know, those press conferences where he spins everything out of control. Turns out Dr. Fauci is the first line of defense, not just for the United States, but for all of North America. I mean, we're all connected, right? And, and Trump, uh, well, let's face it, Trump, who now probably loves the pandemic, he loves all the attention that he's getting. It's the most dramatic reality show he's ever going to star in, and hopefully it will be his last as well, as he shamelessly politicizes pain and fear every afternoon, mixing in with a good amount of confusion and idiotic chaos, unnecessary chaos. He's no help to anybody. The best thing we could do? Ignore him. If you haven't already signed the petition for major news outlets to blow off Trump's horrible daily pressers on coronavirus, you need to go to moveon.org sign up right now. Go there now. Stop the video. Uh, what about other North American leaders? Well, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador in Mexico, even slower on the trigger than Trump for closing things down, weirder in his response, 
and faces insurmountable resource limitations that the United States and Canada don't, for example. And speaking of Canada, in Canada, Mr. Trudeau, well, he's doing the very best he can. Uh, he's in isolation, as his wife is. And he's helped greatly by the overwhelming majority of Canadians, I'm Canadian, who, political views notwithstanding, instinctively know how to follow suggestions for the common good. Still, and as impossible as it may have seemed even just two or three weeks ago, our accumulated knowledge, uh, incomplete as it remains on the coronavirus, is beginning to reveal the risks, health, financial, economic, social risk, as the experts peel back the onion skin of understanding. And even if only partially recognized, the risk parameters are something to work with, something we can act on. Americans are particularly good at this risk-taking on partial information, uh, which in the current context should be taken both as a compliment and a warning. But, and for even the many millions of Americans who don't practice this form of risk-taking, believe it is an insoluble defining character of all Americans. Uh, millions of Americans, as I write, are now trying to figure out ways to profit from the coronavirus. Well, as a Canadian, I find it abhorrent. Even as I know, much good can come from uh, market and policy making, even in times of horror. To wit, and while the bad news still piles up on social media, post-coronavirus economy prognostications of what comes next proposals are starting to emerge, including, of course, my favorite, hitting a sustainable economy reset button. Part of me is hopeful. Oil is, it's crashing and it's out of exploration and anti-climate lobbying cash. Hopefully we'll likely be soon rid of this vested interest that's driving everybody towards disaster. Uh, there are some now substantial, irrefutable, attributable and visible reductions in pollution and carbon around the world in the atmosphere from less fossil fuel consumption on a daily basis. And that's happened over the last two months. Some estimates believe, uh, some estimates uh, see carbon being between 5 and 20% less this year. Well, that's going to be fantastic. Well, there are signs of hope. The European Union, uh, the, it, its economic revitalization plan targets a green future. Fantastic. Uh, and this week we learned Boulder, Colorado indicated it would not use insurance companies Funding fossil fuels. Well, that's a good precedence for other municipalities. Uh, there's a website crashing interest in natural and organic foods as a result of increased sensitivities to health. And uh, there is an equally thirsty interest in, get this, in Victory Garden, which could rid the, uh, the American economy of a $30 billion lawn and chemical grooming bill every year. I'm afraid to say the greater part of me is cynical. There are far more consumer material vested interests uh, to overcome than just big oil. There's big finance, there's big banks, there's big ag, there's big farm, there's big tech, there's big plastic, there's big so many different things. And they're all vested in our own self-genocide, self-induced genocide. Uh, the, the $2 trillion stimulation package, uh, sounds pretty big, has $500 billion for corporations and it comes with exactly zero, zero string attached for uh, climate performance stipulations or social equity for that matter. And many companies uh, are just itching to return to business as usual post-corona. 
With the exception of the aforementioned European Union uh, stimulus, stimulus packages all around the world are not are hardly transformative to something more sustainable. Uh, and if successful, we're simply going to take us back to December 29th, 2019. Not a place we want to be. And worse, some governments, surprise, surprise, are using coronavirus to cover up some pretty nasty deeds. Uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, for example, under the tutelage of Trump toady and ex-coal and oil industry lobbyist Andrew Wheeler, said they're going to relax or ex- suspend environmental rules for the sur- foreseeable future. And I assume this includes a dastardly plot by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to shoot 72 grizzlies so that cows can graze on the grasslands. In the province of Texas, sorry, Alberta in Canada, a day after laying off 25,000 education workers and scrapping funding for, get this, disabled students, uh, the government extended a $1.6 billion loan to oil and gas interests and an additional $6 billion in, get this, commercial bank loans. Isn't that crazy? And we also learned this week that Bear Monsanto joined the ranks of the corporate right up there with Exxon, Big Tobacco, and Volkswagen. Uh, And they did that by hiding evidence that their BASF uh, joint venture herbicide, Dicamba, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, would cause crop damage uh, via drifting. They knew this in advance, and, uh, and in some of the internal BASF emails, employees appeared to be joking about voodoo science and staying out of jail. If ever there was a test case for ecocide uh, at the International Criminal Courts, this is it. But first, we have to get ecocide in the International Criminal Courts. So check out ecocide.law. Uh, Jojo Matha was my guest a couple weeks ago on the Sustainable Century Pod. You can check that out at the sustainablecentury.net. So what the hell are Monsanto's executives thinking anyways when thousands, not literally, but actually thousands of folks and farmers are suing them for the evil of their glyphosate-based weed killers. That, that's the one that's known as Roundup. You see it at Home Depot, for God's sakes. You gotta know that's a bad company. I mean, think about it. If your local baker started lacing biscuits and cookies with crack cocaine and, and put you know strychnine on the packages, trace amounts, if nothing else, well, that fucker going straight to jail. Uh, why not bear Monsanto? Hats off to Missouri peach farmer Bill Batter, great name Batter, uh, who recently won a $265 million settlement against Bear Monsanto at BS and BASF for their terrible product, which ruined his fantastic peaches. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, you might want to check out some of the other 50 experts or so that have podcasts on the sustainable century.net you look at podcasts at the top you can click on that you can find out you can find excerpts everywhere local farming local food systems uh, big oil big tobacco big whatever you want we even have a great one by philosopher adrian barden who, who talks about denial and truth in the current political atmosphere that's the most recent one and we also have jojo meta who uh, is the co-founder and executive director of Ecoside, Ecoside Law, and trying to get a Ecoside introduced as a law at the International Criminal Court. Check those two out. They're really, really good. 
Also, you think about how you can help in the current coronavirus uh, context. Well, one of the most important things that you can do from home is find a politician that believes in climate change, wants to do a green plan, and get on the phone for them. Help them out. Canvas virtually for them because it's the only way we're going to change the vested interests in this in the United States and in Canada. Hey, and remember, if you like what you're seeing on The Sustainable Century, you click in the right places, subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Also remember to pass the pod, pass the vid, or pass the blog along. Really appreciate it. It's not gonna be easy uh, to change all this, particularly the vested interests that lie in wait out there to pounce on anything they can get their hands in. But we also don't help ourselves by giving into and reinforcing the material economic trajectory we seem destined to be on forever. Speaking of crack cocaine, it's depressing. Uh, who here doesn't swing between uh, taking up arms against vested interests like Cassian and Jin did in Star Wars Rogue One or just sitting on the beach and waiting for the wave to come like Cassian and Jin did at the end of that movie? Now, if you're taking notes, and I am, 99% of all post-corona recovery plans predictions are cast in terms of recovering past levels of material economic growth. Will it never ever go away, GDP as an indicator of economic health? My heart, my heart is a lonely sinking stone in the middle of the ocean all alone, knowing that the chances of more of the same old, same old, is almost certainly inevitable. I don't recommend guilt and sinking hearts as the primary motive or emotion for riding out this ugly coronavirus storm. However, and imagining a better future is a responsibility that we must take seriously. If for nothing else, uh, doing this can help make sense of why we're put in this mess in the first place. And I'm also coming to believe future thinking is deeply ingrained, is a deeply ingrained part of our survival mechanism. Uh, someone in the tribe needs to look ahead. Someone in the tribe needs to manage the present and others need to hold dear to the lessons that we've learned, often the hard way, from the past. And of course, the shamans and good witches, they need to keep telling us about the unimaginable other possibilities that we have troubles seeing. Now, I'm curious to know what other people think because I've really started wondering about the future and our survival mechanisms. It's been totally spamming my sustainability sensibilities. I'm embarrassed to admit, I keep thinking that some of those insanely callous conservative folks are not entirely wrong. Uh, nature constantly spams us to find our weakness. Coronavirus is just one of the more startling successes nature has had against us. Climate change, by contrast, is a constant pressure nature is bearing down on us. One we can't uh, uh, ignore, of course. And it reminds us that man, oh, sick, man, humans, are, are hardly the measure of all things, even if we think the exact opposite. And Thomas Friedman, well, of the New York Times, he recently wrote, with the coronavirus, it's again Trump versus Mother Nature. Trump, of course, is a perfect allegory for a homo sapiens doomed war against nature. Well, nature picks on the weakest amongst us, the poor, the infirm, the ignorant, and really could care less about who gets stricken. We, on the other hand, we do, which pits our moral framework against nature's laws in, as we are seeing, a very uneven fight. 
Uh, nature is agnostic to our reflex to treat and protect all members of our tribe equally. Uh, Lieutenant General Rambo of Texas, Dan Patrick, remember him, is simply wrong when he, when he asserts he and his septuarian peers would take a viral coated bullet for the economy. It's simply not true. First, he's watched way too many bad action movies. Ooh. Second, he hasn't got the guts. Third, none of his loved ones would let him anyways. And what about the other Rambo wannabes like Glenn Beck or U.S. Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient Rush Limbaugh? What are they up to? Both are in quarantined home studios telling others not to worry and to go out to have a coronavirus party. Meanwhile, frontline health workers run towards death. Grab a pair, Glenn, and go clean some fucking bedpans. Unfortunately, we all mostly share something in common with these three nasty men. We continue to act as if we were above, apart from, nature, even as nothing could be further from the truth. Well, if you've not read uh, Corporations Be Good by William Frederick, I think you should. I bought the book a number of years ago when I was getting back into uh, corporate sustainability. It was one of about 30 or 40 that I, that I actually read, but it's one of the few that I actually remember. The title sounds a little trite, and it belies a great exploration of the neuroscientific and anthropological impulses that cause humans, homo sapiens, to overconsume. In it, Frederick uh, tells us companies as a form of cooperative activity have provided individuals a degree of security never before seen in the history of humankind. Uh, working together in companies uh, has allowed hum humans to marshal resources at a scale never before seen or imaginable. But even then, our insecurity, steeped as it is in a deep fear of scarcity, can seldom be entirely assaged. Uh, which leads to the most clever amongst us, the luckiest amongst us, the most privileged amongst us, to continue to manipulate corporate activities to their benefits with three results. One, successfully convincing everybody in the world that it's in their best interest to overconsume. Two, reaping material rewards and concentrating power and wealth into fewer and fewer and fewer hands. And three, ruining the environment. In short, says Frederick, we can't help but think only about ourselves. It's uh, part of our DNA, individually or as a species. We overconsume. Uh, that's also, in part, why the coronavirus narrative has largely been anthropocentric, even as nature is telling us, well, it's not, it's about me. Uh, she, what does she say? What is nature telling us? I, I shouldn't say it's a she. It's, it's not a she. Come on, that ain't fair. What is nature telling us? I don't like the way Homo sapiens are organizing themselves. They have to rethink their position and find balance in my system, not theirs. In ecologies, the language we're going to have to learn if we're going to survive, balance is nature's ultimate non-negotiable. And we, Homo sapiens, are all out of that, let me tell you. Uh, the UN, United Nations Climate Change Unit, has an excellent explainer video which tells us why it's imperative that we can't go back to business as usual after this virus is vanquished. And it will be vanquished. And, and it also tells us that we must rebuild the economy, rebuild society really, working with the nature, not against it. Uh, life 
uh, it says can't go on as normal. And that is clear. Well, normal. Whether nature's latest and most sternest warning uh, works, well, that's another story which we'll tackle next week in This Week in Sustainability when we look at how governments around the world and visionaries are conceiving of life, sustainability, and survivability after the coronavirus. What are their proposals? Well, thanks and love to all of This Week in Sustainability's witting and unwitting contributors. Uh, if you have any news you think we've missed, let me know in the comment section uh, below or by signing up for our free The Sustainable Century update. That's a weekly. And remember to click like or subscribe in all the right places and to pass the pod, video, or blog along. Want to join the tribe of investors who are trying to convince companies to take dramatic action on climate change, uh, biodiversity loss, and social inequality? Well, you can get a copy of my book, Invest Like You Give a Damn, uh, and, and learn how. It's a simple DIY for how to make sure your investments fit your values. And drop me a line if you have any questions or thoughts on it. Love to talk with you. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Mark D'Souza Shields, your host of This Week in Sustainability on thesustainablecentury.net. And remember, it's up to you, it's up to us to make this the sustainable century. Have a great weekend. Audio jump. Mm. Ha!